0: Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another edition of See It or Shove It. I'm your host, Greg, and I'm here again this week to give you my thoughts on the latest movies, playing in theaters, and streaming on your TV. Also this week, I shared the latest arrival on streaming services, and now streaming, and Be Kind, Rewind looks at the film you voted for. For our featured movies this week, the book-reading ladies reunite for Book Club, the next chapter... Charlie Day writes, directs, and stars in Fool's Paradise. Car racing animals compete for control of a village in Rally Road Racers. Peter Pan goes on another adventure in Peter Pan and Wendy. And the creation of the smartphone brings greed and corruption in Blackberry. First up, when one of their own gets engaged, the women gather in Italy for a bridal shower. This is Book Club, the next chapter a woman, in her 70s, end up getting married. She takes control of her own destiny. This is a bachelorette party. You know what that means? We go see naked men. What's the protocol here? Where do I stuff the dollar bills? In the follow-up to the 2018 hit comedy, Jane Fonda, Diane Keaton, Candace Bergen, and Mary Steenburgen return as the close-knit circle of friends who survived the COVID pandemic to find out that Vivian, played by Oscar winner Fonda, is now engaged to her boyfriend, played again by Don Johnson. Now excited about the ability to travel again, Carol, played by Oscar winner Mary Steenburgen, suggests that they have a bridal shower in Italy. Buongiorno. They are joined by now-retired Judge Sharon, played by Oscar nominee Bergen, and Diane played by Diane Keaton, another Oscar winner. Now in Italy, the group encounters a new set of hijinks and adventures, including getting arrested, meeting new and former love interests, and strengthening the bonds of friendship. When I saw the trailer for this, I thought it would be a see it, and I give this film a <laughs> shove it. <laughs> I mentioned in the Trailer Talk episode how I was underwhelmed by the original film. I found it to be lacking in humor, which was disappointing considering the powerhouse cast. I had higher hopes for the sequel considering it brought them abroad and the trailer looked funnier than the first film. Well, apparently they put all the funny parts in the trailer. This was another disappointment. The scriptwriters really wasted yet another opportunity to craft a story worthy of these legends— I usually enjoy each of these actresses very much, but in this film, Candace Bergen annoyed me to no end. I couldn't tell if the script failed her or if she spent too many years playing Murphy Brown because all of her lines were delivered in that sitcom jokey way with a punchline that seemed to be waiting for laughter from the audience. I didn't laugh. And as far as Diane Keaton goes, she is beginning to get on my nerves, because she keeps playing the same character over and over and over, the neurotic, self-effacing klutz, where there is frankly such a thin line that I couldn't tell whether or not I was watching the character of Diane, or the actress, Diane. This movie is for a specific audience, and maybe older women will enjoy the film, but even that is a stretch. Skip this one. (laughs) Next, a man who is the spitting image of a difficult actor is called upon to act in the movies. This is Fool's Paradise. Take a look at this guy. What matter? He's a dead ringer for you. Man, don't look nothing like me. I mean, look at him. He's too short. I can finish the day for you. <laughs> Action. Cut. Latte pronto. Excuse me, Mr. Pronto. Can I call you Latte. Latte pronto. Latte pronto. Is that so your name? Amazing. So you and me are gonna do big things, pal. Respect. Move, move, stars coming through. In this film, Charlie Day plays a man with no past, no family, no name, and no voice. After suffering from selective mutism, he is discharged from a psychiatric ward and dumped in the middle of Los Angeles. One day, he encounters a heavily tempered film producer played by the late Ray Liotta who is struck by his striking resemblance to a difficult actor who is making life hell for the cast and crew on his latest film. When that actor, also played by Day, meets an untimely demise, this no-named man fills in for the final weeks of production so they can finish the film. Although he doesn't speak, the director works with it and eventually Day's character becomes a breakout sensation who is renamed Latte Pronto, and is represented by a high-strung publicist played by Ken Jeong. Latte begins living the life of newfound fame and all the ups and downs Hollywood has to offer. I give this film a... Shove it. This movie was so strange. It was hard to follow and not believable that anyone would put up with this guy, much less marry him and offer him endless jobs when he refused to speak. Written and directed by Day, this film lacked any semblance of humor and there were endless cameos and supporting roles by people such as Kate Beckinsale, Oscar winner Adrian Brody, Jason Sudeikis, Common, Jason Bateman, and Edie Falco. Even John Malkovich makes an appearance. Each of them didn't really have anything to work with, and it came across as them doing a friend a favor by appearing in the film. This film was actually in production in 2018, so it's been sitting around for a while. And this is a dull dud. Next, Aloris fights a real estate developing toad who wants to decimate his village. This is Rally Road Racers. I'm gonna be the champ. I just wanna race so a silk road rally oh it's gonna be epic building a trophy case i mean you haven't even won yet but i will you seem pretty confident you're gonna win willing to stake a bet on it you're the one who's supposed going to be doing the beating of me i laugh at the idea ha! <laughs> In this animated tale, a struggling race car driver named Z, voiced by Jimmy O. Yang, returns to his grandmother's home to find it scheduled to be demolished by Archie Vainglorious, voiced by John Cleese. Vainglorious wants to build luxury condos. Z has long admired Archie and feels that he can use his admiration to talk him out of the demolition. However... This doesn't work, and Xi ends up challenging Archie to a race in the Silk Road Rally, which is a multi-day race across China. If Xi wins, the village will be safe from development, and if Archie wins, the development will go on as planned. I give this film a... See it! I'm usually very picky about children's films, and this one was cute and engaging. I found the story to be something that kids could enjoy, and parents could be stress-free knowing that there isn't the usual animated film tropes. You know, the ones where they're making fun of adults, making them look like idiots, or they focus on bodily functions. Seriously, vomiting is not hilarious. Whether it's in animated films or live action. I don't get it. I like the voice work of the actors, and at an hour and a half, it is the perfect runtime for this. Any longer, I think it would have tipped my opinion to the other side. The pacing was very tight, and it wasn't padded to make it longer than necessary. If it is playing near you, and you have children, I think they would enjoy this. Next, when the Darling family is thrust into a new adventure, they look to Peter Pan for help. This is Peter Pan and Wendy. Someone else. I can never... Is that never lie. Is this everything you dreamed of? I can never have of this. In this adaptation of the J.M. Barry story, the Darling family, Wendy, played by Ever Anderson, younger brothers John and Michael, played by Joshua Pickering and Jacoby June are coming upon Peter Pan and Tinkerbell one night. Played by Alexander Maloney and Yara Shahidi, Peter and Tink whisk the Darlings off to Neverland via a wormhole. Greeted by the Lost Boys and Tiger Lily, the Darlings are taken on an adventure with Peter Pan and Tinkerbell where they come upon Captain Hook, played by Oscar-nominated actor Jude Law, who does not like Peter or the family he has brought into his world. And this sets off a battle of power that endangers the entire family. Will they survive? I give this film a... Mild shove it. This was one of those where, when I watched it, I didn't really hate it, and I was going to give it a mild see it, but the more I sat with it, the less I liked it. The saving grace of this film is the cinematography. It looked gorgeous, and the sound effects made me wish that I could have seen it in the theater. The technical aspects were all great. However, without these things, all you have is yet another take on the Peter Pan tale with nothing new or special added to it. The story didn't really engage me, and I found myself struggling to get through at some points. I originally thought maybe I would make this a see-it, like I said, um, but... There isn't really anything special enough about it for me to recommend it over the original animated film. So go ahead and pass this one over. Finally, a young startup company struggles to sell their idea of a smartphone until they meet a ruthless investor. This is BlackBerry. sell it too, but I want 50% of the company, and I've got to be CEO. I don't know who you think you are, Oh, deal. Are you joking? We are in a race to get this thing to market, and we are a year behind. I need a prototype. I'll do it perfectly, or I, I don't do it. Mike, are you familiar with the saying, perfect is the enemy of good? Well, good enough is the enemy of humanity. The film opens with business partners Mike Lazaridis, played by Jay Baruchel, and Douglas Fregan, played by the film's director, Matt Johnson, struggling to get financing for their latest technology project. Holding them back from success is a lack of finesse in their presentation skills, a lack of ruthlessness in their business practices, and an unwillingness to expand their staff from beyond their small circle of workers and friends. They meet Jim Basili played with high energy by Glenn Howerton. Jim has all the ruthlessness, with some despair that the two don't. After some back and forth, they begin a partnership with Jim to develop the first smartphone that ended up becoming the BlackBerry, the iconic handheld computer cell phone that revolutionized the cell phone industry. With the popularity of the product, all three are on the verge of becoming tech icons, which brings both fame and wealth, but also competition and scrutiny from other companies, as well as the Securities and Exchange Commission. This film takes audiences into the spectacular rise and fall of the company. And I give this film a... See it! This film was so much fun to watch. It reminded me of how I felt earlier this year while watching the great film Air, in that it had real nail-biting stories, frenetic shots, and an engaging storyline that made me want to know what was happening next in the film. The cast played their roles to perfection, the pacing made for a film-going experience that had me hooked, It was nice to see Baruchel play his character torn between loyalty to his friend while also trying to balance this with logic when Jim presents them with an offer that may be their only hope for success. The internal struggle was real. Like I said, this had me comparing it to Air, and I think the two would make a wonderful double feature. That's it for this week's featured films. To recap, Book Club, the next chapter, is in theaters now and is a shove-it. Fool's Paradise is in theaters now and is a shove-it. Rally Road Racers is in theaters now and is a see-it. Peter Pan Wendy is streaming on Disney Plus now and is a mild shove-it. And Blackberry is in theaters now and is a see-it and is my pick of the week. Since there are no quick picks this week, let's move on to my segment where I share where you can find some of the films I enjoyed within the last year that are now available for home viewing. This is Now Streaming. Earlier I mentioned the comparison of Air with BlackBerry. Well, great news! Air has arrived on Amazon Prime Video. One of the best of 2023 so far, this film tells the story of how Nike landed the sponsorship of Michael Jordan. It's an incredibly exciting movie directed by Ben Affleck and starring Matt Damon. You can hear my full review on episode 73. The French drama Both Sides of the Blade, starring Oscar winner Juliette Binoche, is a gripping love triangle that goes awry. It was a quick pick last year and was a see-it, and it's now streaming on Hulu. Speaking of gripping drama, the fantastic 1001 features an Oscar-nomination-worthy performance by Teyana Taylor and is streaming beginning Friday on Peacock. To hear my full review, that can also be found on episode 73. Finally, now it's time for my segment where I look at films from the past. This is Be Kind, Rewind, Continuing on with the 52-week movie challenge, this week's film topic was a film about rich versus poor. This week's choices were Gosford Park, Gandhi, and Snowpiercer. You voted, and the film you selected is The Great Robert Altman's Gosford Park. What film are going to make? It's a detective story. Uh, murder in the middle of the night, a lot of guests for the weekend, everyone's a suspect. And who turns out to have done it? Oh, I, I couldn't tell you that. It, it would spoil it for you. Oh, but none of us is here. Why <laughs> would well, anyone want to kill him? Well, he wasn't exactly Father Christmas. <laughs> I think he's got something to hide, that one. Do you think he's a murderer? It's worse than that. He's an actor. Set in 1932, Gosford Park tells the story of a party at a lavish british estate hosted by sir william and lady mccordell played by michael gambon and oscar-nominated actress Kristen scott thomas the party includes a who's who of british upper class including mccordell's sister constance played by the always terrific dame maggie smith lady sylvia's sister and her husband as well as a hollywood star and producer Downstairs in the manor is the working staff, including the butler Jennings, played by Oscar-nominated actor Sir Alan Bates, the housekeeper Mrs. Wilson, played by Dame Helen Mirren in her Oscar-nominated role, the footman George, portrayed by Oscar nominee Richard E. Grant, as well as the producer's valet-slash-lover Denton, played by Ryan Phillippe. Everything seems to be in fine order with everyone knowing their place on the social scale when it all gets upended, when a murder happens. As the mystery unfolds, the class lines begin to blur as Inspector Thompson, played by Stephen Fry, leads the investigation into not one, but two murders. Gosford Park was released on December 26, 2001 to critical acclaim, with particular praise foisted upon Altman, with many calling it one of his best. Much acclaim was also paid to the cinematography which aided in the unfolding of the mystery. Surprisingly, the cinematography was not one of the film's seven Academy Award nominations, but those included Best Picture, Best Director for Altman, and two for Supporting Actress for Mirren and Smith. Julian Fellows won the award for Best Original Screenplay and went on to create the wonderful Downton Abbey series. This was seen as a return to form for Altman, who would direct two more feature films before dying on November twentieth, two 2006 at the age of 81. The film inspired many others for its murder mystery as a cautionary tale of the ills of classism, most recently seen in the Knives Out franchise. Gosford Park is available to rent on most streaming platforms. Next week's Behind Rewind topic is a film set during my favorite time period. I have such good memories of the 90s, and the people I met during that decade are some of the best people I've ever met. So the choices that represent that decade for me are Reality Bites, Clueless, and Scream. Come to my Instagram at shove it to vote for which film I should focus on. The post with the most likes will be next week's segment. So that's it for this episode of Theater shove It. Thank you so much for joining me again this week. I'm so grateful. Support your local theaters by going to see some of the movies I reviewed this month, and while you're at it, share my podcast with your movie and TV-loving friends and family. Don't forget, you can drop me a line at seeitorshoveit at gmail.com and let me know of any ideas or suggestions. Follow me on Instagram and Letterboxd at seeitorshoveit and rate me wherever you get your podcasts. Come back next week to hear my thoughts... On the new releases, including the 10th, yes, the 10th entry in the Fast and Furious franchise, Fast 10. Thanks again, everyone. Have a terrific week. This episode of Theater Shove It was recorded in Orlando, Florida, and is produced by Gregory G. Productions. Music by Mysterio Music, all rights reserved.